Good morning, and welcome to the Virginia Interfaith Center for Public Policy's live weekly broadcast. I'm Roberta Oster, the Communications Director. Our program brings you insight and perspective from policy and faith leaders, experts, legislators, and community leaders. During these difficult times dealing with COVID-19 and racial justice, our broadcast focuses on economic, racial, social, and environmental issues here in Virginia. We will also share resources and opportunities for you to get involved in our work, advancing social justice and helping our neighbors. We keep you up to date and we keep our elected officials accountable. Today, we will address the key issues that the Virginia Interfaith Center is advocating for the upcoming 2021 General Assembly. And I am pleased to introduce our guests. They are all staffers at the Virginia Interfaith Center for Public Policy. First, Jeanette Limon Amato. Jeanette is our immigrant justice organizer. Welcome, Jeanette. Our next guest is Reverend Jamar Boyd, and he is our economic justice organizer. Welcome, Jamar. And Reverend Dr. Lakeisha Cook, who is our justice reform organizer. And welcome Lakeisha and all of you. And now to our moderator is Benjamin Hoyne, who is the policy and campaigns director for the Virginia Interfaith Center. Ben. Thank you, Roberta. Uh, welcome to everyone watching and, and welcome to our esteemed panel of guests. Uh, as you heard, we've got reverends, we've got doctors. I'm going to take the liberty of using first names, so I hope you'll indulge me with that. Um, so we're really going to be talking today about kind of three of the, the legislative priority areas for the Virginia Interface Center for the upcoming 2021 General Assembly. Before we dig into that, I'll just take a, a minute or two to kind of broadly talk about uh, the logistics really of, of the General Assembly for, for January, this coming January, uh, so that we know what to expect. Uh, for those uh, at home that were, were following the special session that, that recently concluded, um, it will be really similar to that we expected, which means it'll be uh, primarily virtual, uh, at least for, for those of us um, that are not elected officials. Uh, the House of Delegates will be meeting almost exclusively virtually, um, whereas the, the Senate will actually be in person once again at the Science Museum of Virginia, at least that's that's what we expect, although advocates like ourselves will, will not be allowed access to the building. So access for, for us and for you watching at home will be primarily through uh, virtual means, Zoom and, and whatnot. Uh, we do expect the, the General Assembly to start on January 13th, that's the second Wednesday uh, in January, um, this is what's known as an off-year uh, session or a short session, as in Virginia, you know, for our, our state offices, we have elections on, on odd years. And so there was there was no, uh, you know, Virginia state senators, House of Delegates, what have you on, on the ballot that, that we all just cast a, a few weeks ago. And so what that means is we had our, our long session, kind of the first session after an election uh, this past January. And, and you might remember that there was a, a whole bunch of reforms that were made, including many of those led by and partnered and worked on by the Interfaith Center, uh, whether that was on, on wage theft, on 
on driving privilege cards, on environmental justice, and, and, and so many other issue areas. Uh, but for this upcoming short session, um, we actually expect it to be uh, even shorter than, than historically. Uh, the Constitution mandates only requires a 30-day session uh, in these off years. Uh, for about the past 30 years or so, traditionally, it's actually been increased to a 45-day session, which is allowed if, if two-thirds of folks agree upon that. Um, we are hearing that there's folks, uh, probably about ha almost half the, the members of the General Assembly don't want to do a 45-day session, largely due to uh, the, the special session, the 84-day special session that we just came out of, and, and some other reasons. And so, it sounds like we're going to have a 30-day special session rather than 45, as we've had over the last few decades, unless something changes. Um, and a 30-day session will be very quick. We have a crossover that we'll have to get to in, in about 15 days or so, which means every bill will have to work its way through one chamber in just two weeks, which was incredibly fast, and then get over to the other chamber to work its way through uh, in those other two weeks before it then would go on the governor after those 30 days. So I wanted to set that up with, with you all at home um, to let you know it's going to be a really quick session. It'll be primarily virtual. So uh, let's dig into the issues. Uh, as Roberta introduced Jeanette first, I will uh, follow, try to follow that order. Um, Jeanette, can you talk about uh, you know the, the immigrant justice work that you're doing on behalf of the, the Interface Center and, and what some of the legislative priorities are are for you and the immigrant community coming up here in January. Yes, uh, thank you, Ben. Um, well, as um, Ben and um, Ferrera mentioned, I am the immigration justice organizer. Um, so this session, I will be fo focusing um, on, you know, building and creating uh, a movement behind farm workers and protecting farm workers. Um, even though um, we know farm worker, farm, farm, work, uh, farm workers' rights is not just an immigration issue nor a Latinx issue, but also a Black issue and a lot of intentionality and within there, right? Um, but uh, for us, for BACCP, we will be focusing on three major things. Um, the first one is um, um, removing the exception for the minimum wage. So that means, as you all know, um, back in March, the General Assembly was uh, raised the minimum wage. Well, unfortunately, they exempt farm work. Uh, and as COVID has shown us, the farm workers are one of the most essential workers that have provided for us, that keep providing for food supply chain. So we want to make sure they have livable wages, right? Second is um, making sure that children under the age of 18 are not working indirectly or directly in tobacco fields in Virginia. Um, and I say this because under federal law, um, there is no, there is a loophole and it actually is perfectly legal for children to work in tobacco fields. So we want to make sure that uh, each, um, we want to make sure the children have the parental consent from a legal guardian or grandparent uh, in order for them to know that they're actually being exposed to a lot of health risks, right? 
And the last one is um, addressing heat stress. Um, just like farm workers, they have um, they experience um, long hours in the heat uh, and have a, like they're prominent to dying from a heat stroke, right? And this also affects construction workers, landscapers. Uh, but what's great about this bill is that it will actually um, protect indoor and outdoor workers. So those are my top three legislations that I will be working on. And of course, we'll be supporting in um, legislation through our partners like this year. Right. And just to, to reiterate, it, it sounds like that farm workers, uh, essential workers who have been feeding us for, for centuries and feeding us during this pandemic, while so many of us are, are sheltering in place practically at home and, uh, and using our, our, our privilege to, to try to avoid the virus, farm workers have been out in the fields uh, exposing themselves uh, to the virus potentially and to other uh, dangers uh, in their job. And yet what you're saying, if, if I'm understanding, Jeanette, is not only are they not being paid minimum wage right now, uh, but they're not eligible for the minimum wage increases that, that Virginia passed and will go into effect in, in May of, of next year. Is that right? Yes. Well, they're getting paid minimum wage under the federal law, but not will not be included within the state law of um, Virginia. Yes. Right. And, I, and the, the federal law for folks watching at home and getting off the top of my head here, but I think it's something like if, if your business is, has a, a revenue, there's a revenue threshold. And I want to say if it's half a million dollars a year, if your, your farm makes less than half a million dollars a year or something along those lines, then you're not subject to the federal law. So for, for small farms that are, that are just producing a few hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue, they can actually pay folks, three, four, five dollars an hour. And, and I think we've heard stories uh, of, of farm workers that are indeed getting paid those type of hour, hourly rates. So. Yes, correct. And that um, that is because um, they're getting paid by how much they produce or harvest in buckets or, you know, uh, any um, buckets or bags. And so that's how they're able to get paid less. Right. What do you expect kind of the legislative process to be for these bills? We have patrons, you know, the, the committee assignments you expect them to go to. Can you walk folks through that a little bit? Yes. Um, some of the bills, uh, the the tobacco and children, um, they already have a house um, patron, which is Delegate Alfonso Lopez. Um, he has been pushing uh, this legislation since um like three three years um um and he has actually has been watering down the bill just because it's unable to pass you know it's unable to pass um and it always dies in appropriations so uh we want to make sure that um as people of good faith and will we are you know putting it out there in people's head and making sure they're already um they have like a little spark into advocating for this, right? And so for the heat stress, um, um, last session we had um, Delegate Word and uh, Senator Hashmi. Uh, we have yet to confirm that. Um, so we will have that information up in our website as soon as possible. 
And then for uh, removing the minimum wage, um, we had um, Delegate Guzman. Uh, am I running Blake? But <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was just her in the house. Yeah, <laughs> that's sorry. Uh, um, so Delegate Guzman, and we have yet to find um, a senator, but as like I said, we will have that information up and running. A lot of these bills that we are working on, we're working with um, coalition partners, and we want to make sure that you know we're all working as a team and we have an agreement on to who will be uh, representing us and fighting for us at the GA. Um, and so when it comes to the process and how the bills run into communities, you know, all of these bills have some type of um, um, agriculture or um, natural resources. So they all get referred to the committee on agriculture. Um, and then if it passes, it gets referred to the labor and commerce. And then um, sometimes in labor and commerce, uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't pass and they send it to appropriations, which appropriation means is basically dead. You know, it's, um, so that's what we have seen in the past sessions. We're hoping that, you know, this time we have more support from the public and more, more education. So, um, yeah. Right. And what can folks uh, watching at home, what can they do to help? Yeah, of course. So um, first, um, the Virginia Interfaith and Legal Aid Justice is having a Farm Workers 101 in December 4, uh, 12. Um, information is up in our page if you want to sign up and, you know, get to um, get folks and learn more about farm workers. Sign our petition as well. Our petition up is in our website, and um, I'll drop it in the comments. Um, and then, if you or your congregation wants to host a Farm Workers One Hundred One, um, they can send me an email. Or if you all want to um, meet with your legislators about this uh, issue, you can also show me an email, and we can coordinate meetings. Great, and so. Uh, folks can get in touch with you, and certainly that information is available on our website. I encourage people to sign up for our email list. I know I think this week we we featured uh, farm workers in our, our weekly roundup. Yes. And as you can see on the screen right now, there's a, a Thanksgiving litany uh, that that folks can also uh, read. Uh, you know, in, in uh, honor of their their meal uh, uh, a week from today. Um, so great. Well, I want to turn, thank you so much, Jeanette. I want to turn to uh, Jamar here, uh, our, our newest staff member at the Interface Center, I think the first time on this show. So welcome, Jamar, to you and to the, the broader Interfaith community. Um, economic justice uh, organizer, can you talk about you know what, what you're organizing for and what your top legislative priority is for, for January? Yeah, so our top uh, legislative priority uh, for 2021 is paid sick day standard uh, in Virginia. Uh, we made a considerable effort uh, last General Assembly uh, and we're doing it once again. Um, so right now uh, we're strategizing and organizing with our chapters uh, as well as placing an intense focus on congregations and trying to gain some youth and college engagement around what we believe to be a common cause issue uh, in Virginia. Wonderful. And why is this legislation necessary? What what problem are we trying to solve? 
Yeah, so right now, Virginia does not have a standard uh, for paid sick days. So for full-time employee employees, uh, as well as part-time employees, there is no guarantee that when you are sick or uh, battling an illness or your child is sick, that you can actually take two to three days off uh, without penalty and with pay. Um, we've noticed that even within the partisan lines of Democrats and Republicans, there is overwhelming support uh, for a paid sick day standard. So what we're looking at is to establish five paid sick days uh, for all employees across the state of Virginia, uh, full-time employees, and also uh, making an effort for part-time employees to have at least three to four, uh, possibly less, uh, with whatever considerable concessions, but not a watered-down uh, piece of legislation that omits them from being considered. Uh, within the statistics, that is, uh, there are is about 84% of Virginia Democrats, at least in the polling that we did, that support this, and somewhere between 72 and 74 percent, uh, give or take, of Republicans. Uh, so it's overwhelmingly 80 to 82 percent of the entire state um, that would support a paid sick day standard in the state of Virginia. Right. And I think I, I've seen articles and other things. Obviously, we're in the midst of, of a pandemic where, where people often are being encouraged to, to stay home or to quarantine or, or, or isolate themselves. And I've seen articles where, where some folks are, are they don't want to get a test. They don't want to get a COVID test because they're concerned if they're, they're positive, uh, then they, they won't be able to work and then won't be able to provide for their family. Have you seen instances where, where people are forced to choose between kind of protecting the health of, of their coworkers and society at large or, or providing for their family? Yes. And I think especially when you're looking at our first responders, our food service industry workers uh, and employees, uh, they are the most vulnerable uh, to this virus uh, and to the pandemic, not just from a health perspective, but economically as well. So you're looking at waitresses and waiters uh, when you're looking at teachers, uh, when you're looking at, again, first responders our nurses our doctors, et cetera. Uh, there is an extreme risk, especially when you are unable financially to put your child in daycare uh, and or just take off of work uh, for two to three days, even when you're ill. Uh, and then, as you've mentioned, there are op-eds. Renee Robinson wrote a tremendous uh, op-ed recently uh, stating the need for paid sick days because while it not only protects the worker, uh, it shows that there is a considerable uh, concern by their employer for their welfare and it boosts employee morale. Um, and so I think that's the other part of this as well as you, this is an economic justice issue. It's a human rights issue, uh, but it's also uh, from the business owner's perspective shows great concern and uplifts the morale of your employees uh, when they know that you care, not just for their production, uh, but for their welfare as well. Great. And, and how can folks watching from home, how can they get involved? How can they help? Yeah, so they can reach out uh, to me here at the Virginia Interfaith Center. Uh, we are working diligently to schedule virtual town halls and meetings with senators and delegates. Uh, if they are interested in their congregation doing that, they can also uh, reach out as well. And then we have clergy sign on letters uh, within a few districts in the Northern Virginia area as we try to push uh, the uh, pressure uh, constituently uh, onto these legislators to consider uh, this necessary legislation for 2021. Right. And it looks like your email is is on the uh, chat right now or on the, the show, I should say. And additionally, there's a, a website, uh, vapaidsickdays.org, that has a whole host of information, uh, fact sheets and, and data and stories and, and all sorts of stuff that I think is a, 
a wealth of information specifically for this uh, legislative initiative. So great. Well, thanks, Jamar. I appreciate all your, your work on that. Now I want to turn to uh, Lakeisha uh, Cook, who is uh, not as not as new as Jamar and actually I think was on the show a week or two ago and did a, a wonderful job. So great to have you back. Um, and you're working on uh, justice reform. Can you talk about top legislative priority in, in your area? Thanks so much, Ben. Um, our top priority going into January is going to be abolition of the death penalty here in the state of Virginia. It is beyond time for us to abolish the death penalty here in our state. And so we're excited and feeling very hopeful that this will be the year that we will be successful. And, and why is it necessary to abolish the death penalty in Virginia? Well, um, it's necessary for a lot of reasons. Um, we know that it is a moral issue. Um, we believe in human dignity. We believe in redemption. Um, it is a racial justice issue. The African-American community has been disproportionately um, impacted by the death penalty over the years. Um, we have a horrible history of um, capital punishment here in our state. Virginia was the first state in our country to ever have an execution back in 1608. Since that time, we have executed over, almost, close to 1400 people. That's a lot of people losing their lives. Um, it has been 10 years since we've had an execution here in Virginia. Um, so I believe it's beyond time for us to go ahead and get that law taken off of the books. Um, I think it's extremely relevant even today to have this conversation because many people may know that there is someone scheduled to be executed in Indiana today who has been on federal death row for quite a while. Um, and he is scheduled to lose his life today. His name is Orlando Hall. Um, he was convicted by an all white jury. Um, he was prosecuted by an attorney that was um, trained to um, keep people of color off of juries. Um, he is the eighth person to be executed off of federal death row this year. Um, and he was convicted back in the 90s. And so there hadn't been a federal execution in years. But now under the current administration, the executions have started again. So we don't want to see that happen in Virginia. We haven't executed in 10 years. And so let's go ahead and get this law. Um, let's get it abolished and off the books so that we don't execute anyone ever again. And that's, that's um, yeah, it's disappointing that those have started up again. I, I think We've seen, you know, over the, the past several years, the need for our Commonwealth to to pass its own laws, whether that's raising the minimum wage, whether that's allowing uh, access to driving privileges for immigrants and, and, and on down the list. Um, because, you know, regardless of what party is in power in Washington, D.C., uh, our, our Commonwealth needs to, to be able to to make sure that we uh, listen to the the will of the, the voters and the, the residents of, of uh, Virginia. So, and as you mentioned, we have a over 400 year history of, of executing people in the, in the Commonwealth here. So um, what do you expect kind of the, the legislative path to be for, uh, for a bill to abolish the death penalty? Um, well, right now, um, just to kind of speak about the patrons we have for the bill, um, we do have a patron on the Senate side, um, Scott Saraville, and we're very excited to have him as our patron. Um, and Senator Stanley will be a co-sponsor for the bill. We're still working on a House sponsor, um, but once the bill um, gets in process, we believe that it will first um, go to, um, in the House side, the criminal subcommittee, um, who the, and the chairperson is um, Delegate Mullen, 
And then after it goes from the subcommittee, it'll go back to full courts and justice uh, where the majority leader Herring is the chair. And then after there, if they determine there's a fiscal impact for this particular bill, then it will go to um, House Appropriations. And the chairperson there is Delegate um, Torian. Um, then on the Senate side, um, there, it will first go to the Senate um, Judiciary um, Committee, which is um, chaired by Senator Edwards. And then from there, again, if they believe that there's a fiscal impact for this particular bill, then it will go to the Appropriations Committee. Wow. And all that has to happen in 30 days. All that has to happen in 30 days. And um, if you don't mind, Ben, I saw someone just pop a question up. Can I answer? Sure. Okay. So Adam asks, are there any inmates currently scheduled to be executed in Virginia? There are two people who are currently on death row here in Virginia, um, two African-American men. Um, and so they are awaiting um, decisions, you know, that some of them, I believe one of them has an appeal in place at this point. So we're hoping um, that they will not be executed, but hopefully if we can abolish this bill, um, it will impact them also and they will no longer be on death row. Great. And how can folks watching at home, how can they get involved? How can they be helpful? Well, there's a ton of information on our website. So we encourage you to go to our website. We encourage you to sign up for our newsletter. That's where you get a ton of information. Um, they can also um, email their legislator. Um, if you email me, um, I'll be able to give you a template. All you have to do is plug your information in and you can change some of the words if you want to, um, but you can send um, your legislator an email and tell them that you want them to vote to abolish the death penalty here in our state. Um, we also have a clergy sign on letter. Um, we have been working diligently over the last couple of weeks, um, trying to get faith leaders all throughout our state to sign on to the support letter saying that they stand in support with us to abolishing the death penalty. Um, that link is also on our website. Um, we also encourage you all, we have, um, I don't know if it's okay to plug this, but we have Day for All People, which is coming up. Um, and so that would be a great opportunity for anybody who wants to learn more about the policies that we're uh, prioritizing going into um, January. Um, we'll have workshops. There'll be a workshop on death penalty, workshop on farm workers, workshop on paid sick days. And so just a ton of workshops, tons of information. Um, and we're also going to be hosting prayer vigils um, at our lynching sites throughout the state, along with a prayer vigil at the old execution site, which is at Virginia State Penitentiary, the old former penitentiary that's off Belvedere. So tons of ways that you can get involved and we need everyone's help so that we can get this, um, this awful policy off the books. Right, and the, for folks watching, the Day for All People, which we historically hold just after MLK Day in January in person in Richmond, obviously we won't be doing an in-person advocacy day uh, this coming session, but we will actually, as as Lakeisha mentioned, have a Days for All People, the, the, the week of, of MLK holiday, um, so that, that week in January, um, virtual uh, programs online, uh, you can go to our website, uh, virginiainterfacecenter.org right now and, and, and register. Uh, I believe all, all the folks on the, on the screen here will be involved in workshops in, in some capacity. Uh, and as Lakeisha mentioned, on that Friday, I think it's January 22nd, uh, we will have an outdoor uh, uh, prayer vigils. This will be in accordance with, with the governor's regulations, everyone wearing a mask, socially distant, whatnot. 
uh, and there'll be a, a few of them uh, around the state, around the Commonwealth, or if you just want to do an independent one by yourself with your with your with your spouse or loved ones, uh, you can. We'll have a program that you could go do one, um, you know, at a at a site near you, uh, so you don't have to come to one of the 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 few that that we're putting together. Uh, excellent. Well, I did want to open up for questions that we might have online. I've, I've seen a, a couple pop up, uh, one which we didn't get to. Uh, and if there's others, uh, please, folks, go ahead and put them on the screen. If the death penalty is abolished through legislation, what happens for inmates on death row in Virginia right now? You want me to take that, Ben? Please, Lakeisha. <laughs> um, they will actually um, continue to serve out, serve out their um, sentence. It will be a life sentence in prison. Um, so I hope that answers that question. Great. I think I saw something on farm workers that was asking um, where, where the farm workers are located in Virginia or something along those lines. There we go. Where do most farm worker communities reside? Uh, Jeanette, you want to take that one? Yes. Um, yeah, so farm workers are um, mostly located in Eastern Shore, but as well as Charlottesville, um, where they do a lot of um, apple picking. Uh, so, um, and uh, in the South Side and Central in China Bali as well, with the potatoes. Um, and tobacco fields. Yeah, tobacco on the south side, as you mentioned, apple and and other things in, in Charlottesville and the Shenandoah Valley and then Eastern Shore certainly has a, a, a good bit as well. Um, someone's asking about a prayer litany for Thanksgiving for farm workers. Jeanette, can you take that one? Yeah, so, oh, um, and I forgot to mention this, but we do have a Thanksgiving uh, litany for those who would like to honor and, you know, pray for um, for farm workers. It is up in uh, our website as well. Um, and um, that is just mostly to honor and pray for the protection and um, so hopefully if anyone's interested, you know, it's up in our website. Great. Um, something about, there we go. Is there a toolkit for advocates against the death penalty? Organizing tips, fact sheets for congregations, books for study groups, uh, Lakeisha? There is a ton of information that's on our website, including a fact sheet um, that congregations can print out and give to their members, especially those um, who want to meet with their legislator. It um, is a very easy to read document. Um, it gives you um, some points that you can hit regarding death penalty, regarding it being racially biased, an expensive public policy, um, not a deterrent to crime. Um, so that information is found on our website. Right. Unless there's other questions from coming in, uh, I know we're we're right at, at 30 minutes. Um, we got a, a thank you from from Heidi. Thanks, Heidi, for for checking us out. Appreciate it. Um, but with that, I want to uh, probably sign off. And again, thank you to uh, Jeanette and Jamar and Lakeisha for for joining us today. Thank you for all your hard work. Uh, on fighting for, for justice in, in the Commonwealth here. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to uh, everyone that's that's watching from remotely, virtually, 
to, to join in us uh, online, uh, whether it's at a, a Farm Worker 101 or Days for All People or, or in your, your home with a Thanksgiving litany or, or advocating with your legislator for paid sick days or, or the many, many other things that, that you can uh, do and, in the fight for justice. Um, and we, we look forward to continuing that fight and, and certainly hope to see you in person at some point, at some point in, in 2021. Hopefully a year from now, we'll be, we'll be doing these in person. We, we, we uh, can't wait uh, to get on the road and see everybody once it's safe. So I uh, hope everyone has a, a safe and blessed and, and socially distant holiday next week. And uh, we'll see you uh, in December. So thanks very much.